I am joined by Vivica Ellis, Interim Director of the BC Poverty Reduction Coalition. Vivica, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you very much for having me today. I know the Premier is likely going to get questions about this a bit later on this afternoon when he speaks, uh, in about 20 minutes from now. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, about uh, the cutting of COVID relief, uh, COVID-19 relief payments? Uh, these were payments and increased payments to some of the lowest income British Columbians. Yes. So at the height of the pandemic, our provincial government um, decided to um, implement a $300 supplement to the income and disability rates um, for all those um, on that on those incomes. And um, uh, it was announced on Tuesday um, that um, <clears throat> 150 will be clawed back as of January for January, February and March. So this is really a, a very wrongful move on the part of our, our government at this time. Um, the $300 supplement has meant so much um, to some of the, 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 the families and individuals living the furthest below the poverty line um, in British Columbia. They've been able to access um, the chicken and spinach um, and the food that they need. We've heard from community members they've been able to buy winter coats and boots for their children when otherwise they wouldn't have been able to. Um, so clawing back the 150 as of January is, is really um, plunging some of our, our families and individuals in the greatest depths of poverty further into poverty in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, so we're advocating for government to reverse that move um, keep the 300 and further raise the rates to the poverty line um, at, uh, at the budget when it happens in March and April. And from what I understand too, so the clawing back uh, to 150 a month in January and then as, it, as it's planned out right now, uh, is it supposed to be the subsidy will be gone completely uh, after March? We don't have a definitive answer on that. Um, so we will have to see. I mean, what I can to speak to that, what I can say is that um, community groups, people who are living on income assistance and disability assistance, will be bringing their experiences of what it was like to actually have that extra 300 to government over January and February and March. Uh, we'll be having a series of meetings with the minister, um, potentially the premier's office, as many people as we could possibly talk to, um, to, to really um, <clears throat> advocate um, to 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 raise the rates further um, up to the market basket measure. I think the reality is um, we have legislated targets and timelines to reduce poverty in British Columbia. And we have a very robust poverty reduction strategy in place called Together BC. Now, our goals are to reduce child poverty 50% by 2024. That's legislated. And adult poverty 25% by 2024. So given the existing mandate of government um, and what the pandemic has revealed about the power of providing um, a strong social safety net that catches us all, um, we're really calling for the durable long-term income supports and investments that are long overdue in this province to really strengthen our social safety net um, and meet those legislated targets and timelines that we have in place. Uh, what do you say to some of the arguments uh, coming from government or some of the ministers saying that even with the clawback of this benefit, that because the uh, NDP is coming through with the one-time tax-free benefit, so that's the, the payment that people can start applying for, I think, in about three days, uh, the $1,000 for families or up to $500 for singles, uh, that that could actually put people ahead? Well, this is the thing. We, we need to not be sort of distracted um, by smoke and mirrors here. The BC Recovery Benefit is a one-time, really flash-in-the-pan benefit 
Um, it will stimulate the economy, but it isn't the kind of long-term dur- durable income supports investment that we need to make um, to strengthen our social safety net. So no other British Columbian is, has to experience a reduction in income in order to um, benefit from the BC recovery benefit. Um, so why, you know, we need to, we do not need to claw back $150 from 200,000 of the, the poorest people in British Columbia um, to, just for them to be able to access a BC recovery benefit, which is something that every British Columbian um, has a right to access. So when you do the math, um, you know, $1.7 billion for a BC recovery benefit um, and a very small, very insignificant savings from rolling back that 150 but that supposed savings, um, the long-term public health, public health outcomes are immense. I mean, we're plunging people who are below the poverty line, further below the poverty line. Um, so it simply isn't fair um, to take $1 from, from these British Columbians in the middle of the pandemic at this time. Uh, is it frustrating for you that with the benefit, and again, it is being used as kind of the, the counter argument, but is it frustrating that there will be people that will qualify for this benefit because it's based on 2019 tax returns? It really has nothing to do with what's happened to people during the pandemic. There will be people who don't actually need the money. And at the same time, this benefit benefit for people who are below the poverty line is being clawed back. Well, precisely. Um, there are some problems with the BC recovery benefit. Um, the fact that it's based on 2019 is extremely problematic. Um, so, And for those on income and disability assistance, one of the things that we have already spoken to the ministry about um, is not requiring them to go and apply online. Um, because that that application is really about discovering people's incomes and then determining how much of the BC recovery benefit they are entitled to. But for those on income and disability assistance, they are already in our system. We already know what their incomes are. Um, and the, the pandemic has very much deepened the, the digital divide. So to ask people who are already barriered, um, who may not have access to the Internet or access to the tech, to go and fill out another long, complicated form is a barrier. Um, so not only that, we're really concerned. We understand the ministry is going to provide an alternative application in January um, for those who don't have a bank account or don't have a social insurance number to make sure they can access the BC recovery benefit. Um, but what you say is, um, and that's very important, um, because the barriers to access mean that, that many um, could potentially not benefit when, when they really should be able um, to, to benefit from it. Um, but this is the piece, is that... You know, why this is spread out so far and wide across uh, the variation in income in British Columbia. Um, and at the same time, we would try to, you know, save by clawing back income from those who are in the greatest depths of poverty, the people who have to spend hours every week accessing food banks, um, just in survival mode. Um, it's, 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 it's a very wrong-headed public policy. Um, and, um, and, you know, we're, we, we focus on, we really advocate for the long-term, durable, evidence-based public policy solution that we know are going to have a long-term impact on this province. So the BC Recovery Benefit, um, it is, it is a flash-in-the-pan, one-time measure, um, and, and to, to, to claw back and, and not invest um, in our durable supports at the same time is, is really something that needs to be reevaluated and reversed. All right. Well, we will leave it there while we are uh, anticipating the Premier will be asked about this during uh, his news conference. Vivica, thanks so much for joining us to talk about this today. Thank you very much for having me.